it has been, and it, wow, okay, we were told, you know, that most everybody's going to the wedding, it'll be like an empty house, how do y'all fit in here when everyone's here, if this is what an empty house looks like, this is awesome, give yourselves a hand for showing up today, this is awesome, we love being here with you guys. You know this already. You are one of our favorite churches on the planet. You're like family, and it is just such a joy whenever we get the opportunity. When Pastor Mark uh, called Caleb a couple months ago and was like, so I got a bit of a situation. <laughs> we're all going to Arizona because my son's getting married. Do you want to come out and do all the things? And we were like, well, we haven't done all the things in like 15 years, but we'll give it our best shot. Um, you guys make it so easy to worship God and just go right into his presence and just bring glory and praise to him. So thank you for that. Can we just honor the Lord this morning? Come on. He is so good. He is so good. Um, well, we love you and, um, and, uh, we love your pastors. You have the most incredible pastors on the planet. You do realize you're spoiled. Okay, you are spoiled in this house with the pastoral staff that you have with Pastor Mark and Miss Joni and Trevor and Lauren and just the amazing leaders that you have. Um, so I don't know if this is being recorded, but Pastor Mark, everyone turn around, look at the camera and say, we love you. We love you. Your church loves you. <laughs> um, and congratulations to Josh and his beautiful bride. Um, well, it has been uh, a wild ride these past couple years, <clears throat> COVID, um, but um, how many of you know, like what we were singing this morning, and I felt like, I could just feel like y'all's just, it was like a declaration that like he never stops working. He never stops working, and we have experienced that full force in Huvenet, um, even throughout lockdowns, shutdowns. Um, travel suspensions and this, that, and the other. Huvenet has grown. Only God can do that. In a year when everything was shut down, locked down, we expanded into three new countries and are now working in Brazil, Chile, and Paraguay. Come on! Come on! And it has just been amazing. The, just Even the way it happened was so, it was so organic and just through relationships. And that's what it's all about in the kingdom of God. It's just about relationships and reaching out and saying, hey, this is what I have. It's all yours. And hey, I'd love to learn something from you too. And so it's just been this beautiful, just awesomeness over the past couple of years of youth pastors leaning into God and leaning into each other and just praying together, strategizing of in this very unique and very new season of life, we're all in. How can we best serve the church and the world? And um, it's been pretty awesome. It's been pretty awesome, you guys. Y'all saw that in the video. All those numbers that were flashing on the screen, we don't just throw those up there to throw a number up. That, that, that's not just a number. That's people. That is a person. Each one of those numbers represents a person that has been impacted by your prayers and by your giving. Sometimes I feel like we can forget that we, we make ourselves feel kind of small and kind of insignificant. The enemy does a really good job of that too. 
He does a really good job of making us feel small. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you are a global impacting person. You are a globally impacting person. Every time you pray for us as missionaries and every time, like what you were saying, that you choose to give out of obedience when that offering bucket comes by and you choose to give, it matters. It matters. Especially now more than ever when I know some of you have gone through hell and back in your work and in jobs. You've lost jobs, tried to find jobs, you work your tails off and you know to provide for your family and then beyond that choose to give sacrificially to support your house first always support your house here this church first and then give to missions gosh thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you on behalf of every single person you saw on that video thank you because we couldn't do it without you people got fed that were starving Kids got to go to school that were otherwise in the streets working to provide for their family at 8, 10, 12, 14 years old. Not able to get an education, but because of your giving, they're able to get an education. Our school, you guys, we're expanding to five new campuses. (laughs) Five campuses! It's crazy! It's amazing! And actually, uh, this week... Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm excited about this. I'm just gonna tell you. But this week, um, you know, Carol and Mike, some of you that have gone down with us in Guatemala, you've met Carol and Mike. They're like a son and daughter to us. Um, they run our, the schools there, Sonrisas de Amor. And they're, one of the new campuses is in this small village called Rabinal. Can you say Rabinal? If you can't say Rabinal, say Rabinal. It's close. Um, but um, it's a village that they have no electricity, none. The whole village, they are out, everybody say the boonies. They're out in the boonies, and there is no electricity out there. Well, our, um, one of our disciples, uh, Minor, one of Kyle and Mike's disciples, planted a church there. I think it was during 2020, right, <laughs> when he planted it. Um, no electricity, no running water. Um, and then our school, we partnered with that church to put our school there without electricity, first school in this village ever ever and we've been wanting to bring electricity in and we just found out that we got funded to put solar panels in the church and in the school so they'll have electricity it is awesome now the church of god will really be the light and that's in that village in a whole new way Uh, so we're excited about that but um god has been good you guys, and not only in our ministry, which we're grateful for, but even in our family. Um, you guys are family, and so when we come, we don't ever want to just talk about work and ministry, which is important, but we're family. We want a, an update on family stuff, too. Is that okay? Um, and so I want to thank you guys for standing with us um, this, this year, especially, as our family walked through one of the hardest seasons we've ever walked through and losing my nephew um, in January. Um, Mental health is, it's a big thing that unfortunately not enough people talk about, not enough people address it, not enough people say it out loud that they're struggling. And we have to do better. We have to do better as a church. We have to talk about it. We have to address it. 
And we have to make people that are battling depression and mental illness feel comfortable coming in those doors and, and saying out loud, I'm not okay. We have to do better. And I'm so proud of you guys and so many churches and pastors that rallied around our family um, after we lost my nephew to suicide in January. It hit us hard. Um, we're humans too. I know we have titles in front of our names and all of that, but we are very human, I promise you. And it was hard, and it rocked our family to the absolute core. And um, especially our kids. And, um, and we went through a hard season. And I am grateful that we didn't have to walk through that season alone. And it's easy to do that when life is sucking and it's hard and there's things happening all around you that you just can't process because it's so painful. It's very easy to kind of like recoil and just go into survival mode. But I am so grateful that we got to experience the church be the church. Because we need each other, don't we? We got it. We got, we need each other. That's what the body of Christ is all about. And the good, the bad, the ugly. We lean into God and we lean into each other. And like what I was sharing in the first service about that, it was through God and his church alone that we made it through the season and that our kids made it through the season that we did. Um, it was hard. It was hard. <laughs> but God and but his church. And I want to share that with you because the past couple months, we are finally, after pounding heaven and pounding heaven and crying so much, we were dehydrated and had no more tears to cry. We experienced the most miraculous breakthrough, all because of Captain America. <laughs> and y'all are like, what? Uh, <laughs> So uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Y'all like stories? Okay. So our son, Elijah, our oldest, you guys have known him since he was like this big. Um, He's now in college. Everybody say, how did that happen? Uh, He's in college now. And um, he's in a, a Christian college. And they take all their first and second year students on like a spiritual retreat during the fall semester. And so we knew it was coming. And then we knew that they were going to be traveling up to Tennessee, which was really close to us. It was about four hours away. So we reached out, Caleb called uh, Pastor Tucker. How many of you met Pastor Tucker from Bayside when they were here this summer? Yeah? Yeah, okay, so him. Uh, so we called him and we were like, hey, is there like a day that we can like rain on y'all's parade and come in and like visit our son? And he's like, actually, we're going to Dollywood, um, the theme park, and you guys can come and surprise Elijah and spend the day with him. And we were like, yes, because we miss our boy. We're not used to having a kid out of our house. It's weird, y'all, it's weird. And so he had no idea. So we show up, we surprise him. There's tears and laughter and hugs and then roller coasters and vomiting. And it was awesome. So we had the best day together. And, um, and then it was time for all the students to go back to the resort, to go on with their spiritual retreat and whatever it was that they were doing. So we said goodbye, more tears, said goodbye. And we were kind of getting ready for our long trek home, four hours um, after a day, a whole day at the theme park, but you know, we were going to do it. Um, we get in the car and we're all like taking off our shoes, getting comfortable. And Adeline, our nine-year-old is like, wait, my gift, my 
my gift for Elijah? And we were like, shoot. She had, Elijah loves Captain America. And we had taken her to like this old like vintage bookstore in Franklin, Tennessee. And she had seen from across the bookstore this teeny little miniature, like this big, Captain America comic book. And she's like, I have to get this for Elijah. And she used her own money. It's the sweetest thing. She, and she wanted to give it to him that day, but we forgot it in the van and forgot. She's like, but I have to give it to him. So we were like, well, okay. I guess we can swing by the resort, and I'll just text Elijah, and we'll leave it at the front desk, you know, because we don't want to interrupt whatever it is that they're doing. So we head to the resort, and I text Elijah. I'm like, hey, we forgot to give you a gift that Adeline brought for you. We're going to leave it at the front desk. He doesn't text me back. He calls me. He's like, you're here. Like, here, here, still. And I said, yeah, like, we're at the resort. We're just, I I don't want to interrupt anything. Like, we're just, you know, swinging by. I'm going to drop the gift off. He's like, where are you? And I was like, well, we kind of parked where I see, it looks like there's a bunch of like the students. Like, are you guys like outside? Because I can see like a bunch of the students underneath like this kind of like tent thing. He goes, don't move, I'm coming. And so about five minutes later, he comes running up to the van. He's like, mom, dad. He's like, I can't believe y'all are here. And we were like, what? We just saw you, but okay. And he's like, they're about to do baptisms. And he said, I really, really, really wanted to get baptized, but I wanted you to baptize me. And I was so sad that y'all had gone home and weren't here to baptize me. And so I just decided to let it go and just that God, when it was time, my dad would be able to baptize me. And he goes, I can't believe you're here. Like he heard my prayer. So he looked at Caleb and with tears in his eyes, he's like, will you baptize me? (laughs) And we were like, yeah. And so we're like getting our kids out of the car. Pretty sure Nyla had already gotten into her pajamas because we were on our way home. So we get out barefoot and we like, you know, go up and, and Caleb asked, you know, Pastor Tucker and, and other students were getting baptized and God was moving. And then we got to just experience this amazing, beautiful moment of healing and restoration. And, you know, Elijah's story isn't my story to tell, but I know that one day he will stand here and share his story with you. It is a powerful testimony, but that moment was a fulfillment of promise. It was a moment of restoration and of healing for our family. As dad, my husband, got to baptize our son, and we thought that was amazing and that that was enough. And we were just worshiping. And then as we we're worshiping and other students are getting baptized, our daughter Nyla, I can literally feel her and hear her crying next to me. And just tears are coming down her face. And I'm feeling like, oh, man, God's touching her. I feel like she's wanting to get baptized, but I'm the mom. I don't want, maybe it's just me. And should I say something or not? Or she's a teenager, so if I say it, then she won't want to do it. And, you know, I could get in God's way. And so I'm just, like, wrestling with this. And then all of a sudden, Ashlyn, you guys know Ashlyn, um, my son's girlfriend, as it would be. Um, God used her. She got baptized that night as well, which was so cool that we got to be there for that. She comes, I mean, running up to Nyla, just gets right in her face and holds her face. And she goes, you want to get baptized, don't you? And Nyla just started sobbing. And she goes, but it's not my night. Like, tonight's not for me. I'm not a student here. And Ashlyn's like, what are you even talking about? 
Are you, do you want to get baptized? That's what we're doing. Who cares if you're a student or not? And then Nyla, Caleb, and Elijah got in the water and baptized Nyla. So then we're really like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Can it get any better? And then more students are getting baptized. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Elijah go to our son, Christopher. And Christopher is our child who never gives in to peer pressure. He is his own person. He could care less if everybody else is doing it. If he's not ready, he's not going to do it. And I could tell that Elijah's like, you know, trying to see if he wants to get baptized too. And I just see Christopher shake his head and he's like, nah, bro, I'm not ready. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. You know, when he's ready, because it needs to be him. Not out of an emotional thing, not feeling forced. It needs to be him. But they go off and talk, and we just worship. And a few minutes later, out of the corner of my eye, I see Christopher walking back, and he's taking his clothes off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's, like, taking his shoes off. And, I mean, and he's in a hurry, and you could just, and he's, there's tears in his eyes, and Elijah's crying. And I'm like, what is even about to happen? And they had finished the baptisms. Like, it was done. They were wrapping up. And he said, Dad, I need your shirt. And he takes off his shirt and gives it to him. And he's like, I'm ready. I'm just ready. And Elijah and Caleb got in the water and baptized Christopher. It was the most raw, unplanned, intimate, messy, beautiful moment of healing and restoration that our family has ever experienced. And I had not planned on sharing that at all in the first service or in this service, but I feel like some of you here, parents especially, you need to hear that God's got your kids. God's got your kids. Whether they're teenagers or grown adults, he does. Parenting is hard. It is hard. And Satan is hell-bent I'm coming after our kids because he knows their purpose. He knows their calling. And he knows they've got praying parents that are waging war every day. But when you stand in the gap for your kid and you do all that you can do, sometimes we have to let go and trust God with our kids. And we experience that in a very real way this year where we had done all we could do and we had there was a very real very broken moment where we looked at each other in our bedroom on our knees sobbing our guts out and we had to make a choice to just let go and trust God with our kids and it was like all of a sudden God swooped in and was like great here I come (laughs) and it was just and we are now experiencing revival in our family. And so there's hope on the other side. There is joy on the other side. There is healing on the other side. There is restoration on the other side and a closeness and an openness and an intimacy with your kids on the other side. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary and well-doing. Mama, you keep pounding heaven. Dad, you keep pounding heaven. And y'all don't isolate. 
That's what we learned in this season. You cannot isolate. Be the body. Be the church. Lean in to one another. Because I'm telling you, if you think there's power in two praying parents, imagine the power in 50 praying parents waging war for your kids. Right? That's the body being the body. Okay? So it's not about showing up with your makeup on and your cute outfit, putting on a happy face that everything's hunky-dory and okay. This is the safe place to be messy. This is the safe place to say, hey, I'm not okay. This is the safe place to say, hey, will you pray with me for my kid? Will you pray with me for my marriage? Will you pray with me for my job? Will you pray with me for healing? This is that safe place. And we would not have gotten through the season we did without you guys praying and without the church standing with us and sending those text messages, making those phone calls that just say, hey, how you doing? Hey, thought about you today. Just want you to know you're loved. Just want you to know I prayed for you today. It makes a world of difference. So hang in there. There is so much hope. I, if you would have told me six months ago that we would be living in the reality that we are living in as a family with the level of peace, the level of unity, the level of honor, a culture of honor that we've desperately tried to cultivate and sown, and to, I mean, in tears, blood, sweat, that we'd be living and seeing the fruit of it right now. Like, that I would call my daughter when she's visiting a friend in Arizona two weeks ago and her not answer could and her send me a text, hey mom, I'll call you in a minute, I'm finishing up my devotional. Like, what? Like, I mean, it just, it's amazing and only God can do that. And so that's, I wanted to share that with you very transparently because I hope that that, I don't know, releases you this morning to do the same. And to be open, to be vulnerable with one another, and to be there for one another. We need each other. And so thank you for being there for our family. We love you so very much. Um, and so we're going to receive the word this morning because Pastor Caleb has got a word on his heart, and it's awesome, and I know it's going to bless you guys. So let's just pray and get ready to receive the word. Is that okay? All right. Father, we love you. We thank you for being so good. That you never stop working, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. You're working. We thank you, God. Thank you for your presence in this place. We feel you here, God. My goodness. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Now, God, I pray for Pastor Caleb. God, the word that you've put on his heart, Lord, breathe your breath of anointing upon him right now, God. Let your words come out of his mouth, Lord, and prepare our heart to receive all that you have for each and every one of us to hear, God. We don't want to leave the same. We're ready to hear more from you, God, and to learn and to grow and to heal and to lean in to you today. Thank you for making this a safe place for us, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome report. Would you give my lovely wife a hand? Thank you. Thank you, baby. I just have a word on my heart I want to share with you, and it's, um, 
It's, it's a word that God has been working in me for the, the last about, about a year, and I've been training our leaders in this, and throughout the countries we work in with Huvenet and the, yeah, like you saw, we work with youth pastors in 12 countries, and we invest and train, and this has been a word that has been stirring inside of me, and I want to share it with you all. It's out of Psalms 23. If you have your Bibles, you can go there, Psalms 23, um, and hold your finger there, and then we'll launch into that, and then... And I'm not going to speak for a long time, but it, I do want to speak directly to the, the things that God it showed me in Psalms 23. It's a famous chapter. All of us know it. You know, it's kind of on the wall, all over the place. We probably memorized it. And, but I think sometimes those things that are a part of our life so much, we can kind of forget the essence and the depth of what it really means for us day to day. So hold your finger, Psalms 23. Moses is about to launch back into Egypt. He's about 80 years old at this point. God has walked him through so much, his life. Um, and he sees the bush, the fire, the whole works. You guys know the story. And then he, Moses is fear. He's, he's kind of afraid. What, how do I do this? How am I going to do this? Who do I say that sent me is what he asks God. And God says something that now rings throughout, like, I mean, generation from generation to generation stands on this phrase that God speaks. And he says, God replied to Moses in Exodus 3.14 and said, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. And that's all God had to say. No explanations, no, you know, three-point sermon on who he was. It was just, I am. I am. And I am who I am. And in who I am, there is enough for this situation, for this moment, for the deliverance of my people from the most powerful empire in that time. And Moses steps out upon that reality, he, the revelation of who God is. He steps into I am. I am that who I am. And as I studied through that reality, there's a nature of who God is that's beyond just name. Like uh, you, you call me Caleb. I call you Alyssa. You know, the reality, God, is it's his nature that stands behind everything that he is. And so if you look at his nature and you start studying this, he's everything. He's so big. He's huge. God, creator of heaven and earth, our minds don't wrap around who he is. It's impossible. He is all-knowing, omniscient. He is everywhere, omnipresent. He is good, omnibenevolent, always good. He is all-powerful, omnipotent. These are expressions of who he is, revelations in the word as you read. He expressed who he was. He's eternal. There's no, there's no beginning, no end in our perspective of God. We can't even, we don't even know. Our mind cannot wrap around the greatness of our God. And that's why he says, I am who I am. And that was enough to back Moses in everything that was going to happen. This God who is all in all. <coughs> Excuse me. This God who is more than enough chose a people. And if you read, if we read in 1 Peter 2.9, we who were not, I am who I am, we who were not, I am not, right? All of a sudden, you know, met I am. 
I am not, we are not, met, I am. And that was enough. God said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. He wanted us. He, this I am, God of the universe, wanted to have a people, his own family, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Come on, someone. You and I are God's holy possession. His people. And, and when we see Psalms 23, I want us to look at it through this perspective of God is, I am who I am. Everything of his nature and the greatness of who he is coming upon we who were not and now are his people. A, a holy nation. Royal priesthood. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can now show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness, out of that place of darkness and isolation and brokenness and confusion and fear. Out of that, he plucked us out and set us up to be a wonderful light. Amen? That is you and I. That is the church. That is the body of Christ. And as we've leaned into him and know God, I am who I am, we get to experience that. So now we're in Psalms 23. There's three things that I want us to take away this morning out of Psalms 23. I'm going to read the whole chapter and then we'll break it down. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Whoo. You feel that? I mean, that should resonate in our hearts. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Rest. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me beside paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and faithful, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This beautiful culmination of intimacy, of walking together. Almost you get this sense of God walking in the cool of the night, in the evening with Adam and Eve. That sense of community, of, of walking out our full destiny and purpose. I will walk. I will be in the house with God forever. That it's a picture of what God desires. But he starts off, verse 1, saying, I am. He's, he's expressing that he is our pastor. The Lord is my shepherd. David gets this revelation of this incredible God who's so big, but yet pastors us. And, you know, God gives us pastors and teachers and, and evangelists and apostles to cover the church and be a representative of who he is to the church. But the reality is, you know, these people are people wrapped in flesh, right, with bone and muscle and limited, limited to the reality of the full expression of these callings. God is our pastor, right? The pastor, the shepherd of his people. And so when we look at God and we understand this nature, the, the word, the Lord is my shepherd, that, that word shepherd the, the word pastor comes from that Hebrew word. It's, it's you know, in, in Spanish we say pastor, 
pastor is a pastor, but is also a shepherd of sheep. It's, they're one and the same exact thing. And so we kind of lose this in this chapter as our culture kind of breaks it down between the shepherd and what a shepherd does and what a pastor does. But what God is trying to say is that I am your pastor. I pastor you. And at the full expression of, of who I am, I am that I am, steps into your life to pastor you where you're at. So in this, in this as, as we look at it, he says, I will lead you, right? You will not want. You will not want. You will not need. I will lead you. I will make you lie down in green pastures. So there's this pastoral processing. And that's the first point I want to take from, from Psalms 23 is that, number one, God pastors us. He makes us lie down. He brings us in and says, just lie down. Lie down. And some of us need to let go, lie down, rest, just lay here in that, in that sweet place, in, that, in a still green pasture, in a place where we're fed exactly what we need to be fed. The world is feeding us so much stuff all the time. And God says, no, I want to be the covering, the, the pastoral covering of your life and lead you to a place where you're eating what you need to be eating. The, you know, and giving you the word that you need and the, the presence that you need to be able to be okay to, to walk beside still waters where, where we can actually drink and be nourished and fed. And God says, I got you. I got you. I pastor you. I make you rest. I, I feed you. I heal. He says, he says, as he's calling us into this, he restores my soul. See, we, we've been through a lot of brokenness. We've been through a lot of hurt. There's a lot of things that have tainted our reality and God's reality for us. And God says, no, you're, you're mine. I pastor you. I want you restore. I want to put the building blocks all back together. The things that I just created, the purpose that I have and who you were truly created to be. I restore your soul. I speak right into who you are. I say, this is who you were intended to be. And I heal you as the shepherd of your soul, lead you beside paths of righteousness. And this is where we begin to see God, like he heals us, he comforts us, he feeds us, he restores our soul. But then now he's pushing us out into paths of righteousness to begin to live and, and to begin to experience life in the way that he, righteousness, just basically means the right way the things were intended to be, right? And so the path of righteousness is God saying, I heal you, I feed you, I get you what you need as a pastor so that then I can help you walk on the right path of life. And I pastor you into that position. And this is what we need to lean into as we look at God. And his greatness. Number two, he, as he does this, he's the protector of our soul. Yeah, he not only launches us out into our purpose and, and our right path of living, he realizes that as we are walking on this right path, the world will not like this type of life. We'll attack that type of standard. We'll attack that principle. We'll stand against it. And God says, hold on, I got something for you. And he says, though, I, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the worst, the lowest place, the, the most difficult realities, fear not, I am with you. I will not fear, David explains, because he knows, for you are with me. 
You stand with me. And this speaks to God's nature. It speaks that he is there. He, one of God's all-knowing realities is that he's every omnipresent. He's everywhere. He is where you are living right now. He is here. He is with you when you wake up. The Bible says he sings songs over you as you sleep and as you are there. And that when you wake up, his mercies are just put over you every morning new. And he walks with you. This is the reality of God. He's with you when you're working. He's with you when you're eating breakfast, lunch, dinner. He's there. I am everywhere with you. And in that reality, I'm omnipotent. God is saying, I am all powerful in your present reality where you're at i will protect you i am your protector the one when you walk through the valley not only will you be protected see there's things that god protects us from that we don't even know he's protecting us from we are so nearsighted as you know we don't know the things that are ahead of us and God is protecting. He's just standing. He's guarding. He's removing things from our life. And sometimes we're complaining a lot about those things that he's removing. But he's actually wanting to protect and keep us and guard us from things that we don't even know would negatively impact and destroy, even hurt us. God is protecting on that level our lives. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Not only protects us in the difficult seasons, but he also comforts. He knows our vulnerable reality. And he comes in and he comforts us when we're struggling, when we feel like there is no hope, when there is no, no light at the end of the tunnel. He really comforts, he speaks to that. And he's able to comfort you in your darkest hour. Not only does he protect comfort, but he also sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Oh, my goodness. Like, not only can he protect us, but like when the enemy is coming at us to steal, to kill, to destroy us, he is so great. He's so big. He sets a table in the presence of our enemies and gives us exactly what we need day to day to thrive, to live in his fullness. This is the God you and I serve. I am who I am. It speaks to his omnipotence, his power beyond the circumstance, beyond the people, beyond our physical limitations. He sets the table. <laughs> he sets the table. And thirdly, as we finish up, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, he's our pastor. He pastors us and he heals us. He's our protector, shields us in the way and the path that we're to walk. He covers us, comforts us. He, he provides for us in the presence of our enemies. He is that covering, that protector. But also he is your, you and I's promoter. He promotes our lives. It's he, he from him is the promotion, the Bible says. From him flows this, and he says, he covers, he covers my head with oil. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He's promoting us, lifting us up, setting on us a mantle every day. See, God created you. He knows what you were purposed for. He knows the plans that he has for you. But not only that, he also has the power to bring it about every day. And that anointing and that reality over your life is what really is the provision of God. 
what he has for you. He's able to make your cup run over. That's the level of his power. That's the level of his goodness. It's like you're just walking and he's so big. His goodness and his mercy just kind of taps into you, bumps you everywhere you're going. It's hitting you from behind, from the right, from the left. That's the level of his goodness over us. This speaks to his, he, there's no shadow of turning. See, God, when he sees you, he looks at you. He only wants what is best for you every single day. That's, he's omni, omnibenevolent. That huge word just basically means there's no shadow of turning of evil in him. He is good. He is good upon good upon good. And it never changes ever. And he has your best interests at heart always. That is his goodness. And as he walks in, us, in this towards us, we grow, we grow, we grow, we grow. And we step into that cup overfloweth. My cup overflows. Mercy is hitting me from here. His goodness is hitting me from over here. And he leads me into that place of being in his house forevermore. The way I see it, how can he do this? You know, how can God do all of this? Psalms 23, you read it and you just you examine it as you're working, memorize it. I encourage you to do it. You know, look at this. Sometimes you can look at it and go, how in the world can this be a reality? In my life, how can all of this, how can God do all of this? Now ask yourself, how can he do all of that? And I love, I heard it said this way once, and I loved it. It's like if I were to take a little ant, right, a little tiny ant, and I were to set it on this table here, this pulpit, and, or a table, and I put him on one side right here at this side of the table, and I set him down right here, and I, and, you know, encourage the ant to get to this side of the table, across the table, and I'm sitting here. And the ant starts walking, and he comes across this table, and he's about halfway, halfway across the table, and there he is. And now an ant's really, really small, right? And he can see probably about a millimeter, maybe a centimeter in front of him. That's his reality of the world that he's living in. But here I am. I'm like a million times bigger than this ant, right, who's sitting in the middle of this table. And guess what? I can see something he can't. I can see, I can see his past, right? I can see his present, where he is right now and what he's doing. But guess what? I can also see his future. I can see the reality of the whole scope. The ant sees his present, this moment, this very real reality he's going through right now. But I can see where he came from. I can see where he's at. And I can also see where he needs to go in one full sweep. I see everything because I am so big the ant is so small. In fact, I can see, you know, I can see sugar over here that could be like a, tempt a temptation for him and say, hey, no, that's not a good. And Latin in third world countries, we have holes and tables. You guys don't have them here. Um, but like I can say there's a hole over here. There's sugar over here. I can see the whole mapped out reality of this ant's world in one glance. And so then I can begin to say, hey, come over here. Don't do that because this is where you need to be. And, and so when we look at that, we break that down, we put ourselves in that position of an ant. God is so huge, so big, our minds cannot wrap around him. 
The reality is that he steps back and he can see where you came from, where you were born, where, what you've gone through. He sees where you're at right now, your present moment in reality. But he also sees everything in your future. He sees the things that are, can present themselves, the holes and the temptations and the things that would lead you astray from his full purpose. And he sees the whole scope. And not only that, he sees it for 7.9 billion people on earth. That's how big our God is. And that's, how, that's his goodness. And he pastors us through all of that because he's that big. He is. He is that big. The nature of God. He knows all things. He is everywhere all the time. He is all good. He is all powerful. He is eternal. That is who you and I serve. And as we lift our eyes up this morning, that's all it takes is to lift our eyes up, to set our eyes and our heart on him, the author, the finisher of our faith. When we set our eyes on ourselves and try to be the source of our own life, that's where we really get into problem. That's where we really start missing what we were created for. And as in that reality, I would like to just encourage you there. God is wanting to pastor you. And we have to lean into that. Let him pastor us. God, God is our protector. He will protect you. If you lean into him, allow him to protect you and trust him in that. And he will promote you. He will raise you up and give you the things that you need to fulfill your purpose and why he created you. And I'm going to invite my wife up. Would you guys stand to your feet this morning? And we're just going to lean into this word. And let Psalms 23 become a reality in our life. And what he's wanting to produce in us is so deep. And, and, and sometimes we just kind of glance over this. And we miss what he's trying to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to get on the keys. But I want us to lead, lean into this. Let God begin to process this in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just close our eyes this morning and just lift your hands.